this. If you have a copy of scripture with you this morning, go ahead and open up to Ephesians chapter 5 and John chapter 8. Ephesians 5 and John chapter 8. We will be there in just a moment. Uh, we're continuing this morning in our marriage series that we've been in for the last few weeks. It's called I Do Because He Did. And it's been an opportunity for us uh, as a church to uh, ensure and reaffirm and maybe refocus our marriages on the model of the love of Christ so that we can represent that through our marriage relationships. And I don't know uh, where you are or, or how you approach this series, but I, I, I know that uh, regardless of whether you're married, whether you're hoping to marry, or whether you just know someone who is married, uh, the time has never been more critical for the church to guard and protect um, God's plan and purpose for marriage because it's such a tremendous gift that's given and trusted to us, and it has such a fantastic uh, plan that God wants to accomplish in and through our lives um, on this journey. So uh, my, my request of you is the same this morning as it has been over the last few weeks. Um, spouses, just remember, you are not each other's Holy Spirit, okay? So make a, make a conscious effort to keep the elbows uh, at bay, right? Uh, and, and try not to uh, try to make sure that your spouse is paying extra attention this morning when what the Lord may desire is for you to be leaning in uh, to his word and truth uh, in this conversation today. I wanna start by looking at Ephesians chapter five. I wanna add a verse to our conversation this morning that helps us get a fuller picture of, of, of this conversation of marriage. And so Ephesians chapter five, uh, beginning in verse 25, uh, we see the apostle Paul charge the church in Ephesus with these words. It says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. You know, kids these days just can't be trusted, right? All the parents said, hey man, kids, one of these days when you get to be parents, you'll align with that belief, but nothing against you in this season because guess what? There's no one in the room today who hasn't been a kid along the way. So um, I wanna tell you about this morning our four-year-old little princess, Miss Ellie. Uh, I really don't know what I would use for preaching material if God hadn't given me kids. Like, there's just so much. Like, I want you to know that having six kids, Shannon Oaks Church, the future is bright, okay? There's lots of material in the upcoming uh, season. But Miss Ellie, um, many of you know her story, and uh, at some point, for those that don't, you will hear it on a deeper level. It's just a miraculously beautiful story of God's love. Uh, in and through her life. Well, Miss Ellie, has, as she has grown, uh, she has begun to exhibit um, a, a pretty amazing gift that, that, let's just be honest, she didn't inherit from uh, me or Mandy because she's not genetically ours, right? So uh, that's the beauty of adoption is uh, they bring a, a beautiful, uh, fresh perspective to the gene pool in the family. Well, Ellie has, uh, is in the process of staking her claim as a, an accomplished artist, okay? And I can't wait to see what this gift is gonna look like as it flourishes in time and days ahead. But as you can see on the table there, this is like 
not just an everyday thing. This is like a 12 times a day thing, right, at our house where Ellie is pulling out paper, uh, the backs of paper towels, napkins, and she's drawing uh, her favorite thing, which is a smiley face. You ask her, Ellie, that's a beautiful picture. What is it? She says, it's a smiley face. And she, just, she has this, this joy about her, right, Mary, that is just contagious. And uh, she loves to draw. Well, as most artists do, uh, they begin to, in their maturing process, they begin to experiment with different mediums. One day, a few months ago, um, I was outside on a beautiful day, kind of, you know, that unseasonable weather uh, that we experience back and forth in Texas during the, the, the middle, last and first part of the year. And uh, I was outside with uh, some of the kids, and I didn't honestly know how many of them there were out there. I was minding my own business because I'm a good, aware parent like that, you know. And so um, I was out there doing something uh, that I wanted to accomplish on that day. And I hear some conversations taking place, and, and I hear something um, that, that sounds a little bit like uh, this. Okay? And um, I didn't pay any mind to it. It just didn't phase me at all um, until, you know, kind of one of those delayed reaction moments. You ever had one of those where you, you kind of begin to soak in the, the surroundings around you in your environment and you begin to realize something's probably not the way it's supposed to be because, number one, the kids are too quiet. But I hear this and I, I turn around and I said, Ellie, and she was probably about 20, 25 feet away. She turns around and she says, yes, daddy. I said, what are you doing? She said, nothing. <laughs> I should have known. And so I said, um, so I start trying to like piece things together right here in this moment. And, and she's standing in front of or on the side of Mandy's um, highly coveted uh, mother vehicle of choice, the minivan, right? And so she's standing there on the side of the minivan, and um, I said, what, are you, what were you just doing? And she said, I was drawing. And so I walk over to where Ellie is standing, and sure enough, on the side of the minivan, she has taken a rock and she has etched into the side of not just one door, but three doors of the minivan on both sides, a beautiful picture in her eyes, right? She had discovered the, uh, the metallic canvas of the artist world, and, uh, and I really thought Ellie was going to meet Jesus that day. So um, I probably overreacted, okay, let's just put that out there. Um, Ellie had a hard time sitting down for the rest of the day, um, that day, but that was just before her mama found out, and so I, I walked inside with Ellie screaming now in my arms, and um, I said, Mandy, uh, she, she was inside taking care of uh, her own battles inside, and um, she said, yeah, and I said, um, You'll never guess what Ellie just did. Of course, she's screaming her head off. And um, I said, why don't you just come outside and, and just see it for yourself? So she comes out. You should have seen. I didn't know mama's eyes could be that big around. And someone so loving could be so fired up inside. 
uh, and what Ellie had believed to be the most natural, beautiful canvas in her pure little heart turned out to be a significant blemish that was now mom and dad's responsibility. Well, I had already just resigned myself to uh, the reality that we were gonna be that family who pulled up in the minivan at Walmart and everybody knew. Well, there's Ellie's mom and dad, right? I, just had, I, was, I was just resigned because I wasn't gonna spend the money to repaint the vehicle, you know, and I was certainly gonna claim it on insurance. Well, lo and behold, through a, uh, the connections of a precious dear friend of ours, you will never believe the reality that transpired. Just about 24 to 48 hours later, what we thought was a, a permanent reminder of such a painful memory in our life, for, and Ellie's life, um, was literally washed away. Now, I don't know how. I believe the Lord's miraculous power was at work there, but what, what she thought was beautiful turned out to be a blemish and it all was just washed away. I'm here this morning to remind us, Shannon Oaks Church, that, that, that Jesus didn't just, and I, I'll lean in on this and hear what I'm saying, Jesus didn't just come to live and to die because he loved us. Jesus had a far greater purpose in his persecution that he experienced. And, and, and there are many things that the, the, the life and the death of Christ actually fulfill throughout the, the, pl the plan of God in the pages of Scripture. But I want us to re be reminded this morning that, that Jesus came to live and to die and then to live again to show us how to love like he loves us. You know, we see in Ephesians chapter 5 that uh, that. that the husbands are charged to love their wives as Christ loved the church. And over the last few weeks, we've kind of connected some dots because of some other principles that God lays out through the course of scriptures where we've said, you know what, we may be taking a liberty here by uh, adding in, supplementing husbands and wives love each other as Christ loved the church, but we believe that that could not be contradictory to God's greater plan for marriage. And so in this conversation, we've been looking at the marital relationship between husbands and wives in response and in reflection to the love of Christ. And, and we need to remember this morning that the love of Christ is absolutely perfect. What if in the reality of Jesus leaving the throne of heaven and coming down to earth, what if things could have played out the way they probably should play out with the way that we've envisioned a, a righteous, holy king, right, invading a dark and broken world. Like that, That's a very volatile scenario to unfold, don't you think? Where you've got this, this, this being who cannot entertain wrong and brokenness and death and sin in his very presence, but yet he is immersing himself in something that embodies it, for lack of a better term, perfectly, right? There's such a volatile situation that, that could 
have unfolded in the coming of Jesus Christ to earth. I don't know about you, if you've given any thought to this, but I'm so grateful that Jesus's mission here on earth always aligned with his message. It always aligned with his message. Jesus didn't uh, communicate one thing that as far as his purpose and his heart for coming to earth and then indicate something contradictory to that uh, through the words that he shared and spoke and and had conversations with others around him. Jesus always uh, mirrored his message to his mission. And this morning, I want to look briefly at John chapter 3 at a very familiar passage for churchgoers, uh, verse three, uh, verses 16 and 17 in chapter 3, where John records for us that, that for God so loved the world, right, that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen, right? That's the mission of God. And then we, we, we continue, or sometimes we continue on to verse 17, to just remember the volatility of the present situation. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. Now, why would John say that? Because it would naturally flow from the presence of a righteous God and king, Amen. God God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world because that's what should have happened, but in order that the world through him might be saved. Now, if you're in John chapter eight, let's look in verses 10 and 11 um, as we kind of build on this foundation this morning. John chapter eight, verses 10 and 11, we see that the adulterous woman, for those who are familiar with the story, is brought Uh, by the religious leaders before Jesus with the expectation, right, of condemnation and judgment because that's what a righteous son of God must be like, right? And so you've got these religious leaders of the day who said, you know what, this woman has not just uh, broken the law, she has literally shattered it with her disobedience and unfaithfulness and extramarital relationship and they bring her dragging her before the presence of Jesus Christ. And in verse 10, 11, it says this, Jesus stood up and said to her, woman, I cannot believe what you have done. Who in the world do you think you are? Do you know how many homes you have wrecked? Do you know the impact and influence that you have made in a negative way on generation after generation after generation to come? I cannot believe that you would even subject yourself to the holiness of my presence. That's not what your translation says. Jesus said to her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. And from now on, sin no more. You know how easy and natural it would have been for Jesus to exercise judgment and condemnation in that environment, church? You know how easy and natural it would have been for him to give that woman what the letter of the law says she deserves, which was death because of her brokenness and disobedience? We see Jesus in his life here on earth 
And in John chapter five, just a few pages before, we see that, that, that there's actually a, a conversation about the Son of God receiving the authority and the, the permission uh, for judgment and wrath because of his rightful inheritance from his Father. And in John chapter eight, you would expect that man right there with that identity to rise to the surface. But instead, Jesus, like he does so frequently, he talks about the washing away of the blemishes. He, he, he has words that align with his mission to communicate that the blemishes don't dictate your identity. That those things that have happened in you or to you in the past don't define who you are. And Jesus speaks over and over and over again truth to people. Now you would think that truth would be the greatest weapon that a jury and a judge could capitalize on, right? All we need in this uh, environment is more circumstantial evidence that this person is guilty. Jesus says, go and sin no more. You are free and forgiven. You are without guilt or shame. You have tremendous plans and purpose before you. See, Jesus says all of that without saying that as he washes this woman who many want to uh, be repelled by, washes her with truth and grace and mercy. You know, Jesus, throughout his, uh, the, the, the accounts of his life in the gospel, so frequently, Jesus uses a phrase that, that communicates the, the real reality of his identity. You know, in John chapter 14, verse six, where Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father except through me. You know, Jesus says, I am the truth. So literally, Jesus is washing these people with himself. And, he, and so many times in conversation, Jesus says, and you'll, you'll connect the dots here, truly, truly, or verily, verily, I tell you, you've heard it said this, but I tell you this, right? Jesus is interjecting himself into a world full of lies and suspicion and feeling and emotion, and he's saying, listen, world, you've never known anything more true than me. And just a few verses down in John chapter 8, verses 31 and 32, we see these words. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. I know for the vast majority of you this morning, this message up to this point is nothing new. As we look to examine the love of Christ for the world and his children, as he pours out his truth that washes us clean. And, and baptism, he gives us as a gift. And, and, and baptism itself by water is a multifaceted gift that he offers to the church for those who believe. But, but part of that aligns with the washing that Jesus talks about away of the blemishes by 
his truth. The love of Christ washes us perfectly with truth. It is the most beautiful thing that we can talk about. What if this kind of love made its way into our marriages? What if we looked at our spouse and, and said, you know what, babe? Um, we may have started with something else as our motivation, but let's just draw a line in the sand and, and, and let's get something straight. I do because he did for us. What if, what if that kind of love that we talk about and we, we praise God for found its way infiltrating the marriages of the church. Spouses love each other in this way by the washing of each other with the word, with the truth. Ephesians chapter five says, with the truth. Some of your translations may say, with God's word. The, the, the original word in the original text is the word rhema, okay? Now, for somebody that just clicked, because we've talked about rhema before and how it does mean word, but it's not necessarily in reference to God's written word, all right? So, so if you got this image in your mind as husbands love your wives and, and, and sanctify her by, by the washing and the cleansing of, of God's word, and you're just like, you're like, you're like dumping your Bible over her like just to see, like the, okay, Lord, do your thing, right? Or, or maybe like you, you, you feel really overwhelmed and convicted by the charge to just know the word of God so that you can sit before your bride and just, and just pour out God's promises and truths over her, which is a beautiful and great thing. And I don't wanna discourage anybody from that, but what I do want to draw attention to this morning in Ephesians chapter five, verse 26, is that the word that is being mentioned here is the voiced word of God, the spoken word of God. The rhema is the, the revealed word that God gives to his children. What does that mean? Well, at one point, all of the written word was a spoken word, right? God revealed it to men and they recorded it and we believe it to be inspired and infallible and inerrant, right? And, and God has given us the gift and the presence of his Holy Spirit, right? Am I at the right church? Okay, God has given us the gift and the presence of his Holy Spirit so that we can have a comforter, an advocate, a counselor, right? Someone who can, 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 can speak to us still a word that may not be written in God's word, it aligns with God's word, it is compatible with God's word because God in and of himself can't say something to contradict himself, right? And so God has given, husbands, wash over your, your wives with the rhema, the revealed spoken word of God. In other words, spouses, what does Jesus wanna say about your spouse? Woo! Anybody perfected that one this morning? Because I am happy to uh, pass over the platform today. The conversations that you have with your wife, do they reflect 
the heart and the, uh, it, the desire to communicate the truth of God as if it were from God. In other words, in our marriages today, one of Satan's most divisive weapons in marriage are words. And I bet for 100% of the marriages in this room today, you know the reality of that statement right there, don't you? One of Satan's greatest weapons in marriage are words. Now, it may not be what causes the greatest division, but I, I would willingly suspect that along the way, the words were the thing, the seeds that were planted in the soil that grew up and bore fruit later on that were a harvest that no one expected is pleased with or anticipated, amen? By God's grace and his provision, I don't wanna leave you in a dark and gloomy, hopeless place this morning. Because as much as Satan intends to use words in marriage, one of Christ's most sanctifying weapons in marriage are words. One of Christ's most precious gifts in marriage are words. Um, I have your permission to kind of do something unconventional. Is that all right? We're in a, we're, thanks, Jonathan. We're in a marriage series. It would be, it'd be foolish on my part, right, to, to go all the way through a marriage series without inviting some kind of presence from my bride. Would y'all welcome Miss Mandy? Come on up here, babe. <clears throat> all right, so um, here is... I wanna, I wanna play forth for you what typically happens in marriage, okay? So in, in, in marriage, here's what typically happens. Babe, you hear those birds singing this morning? I do. They're singing about your beauty. You are the most beautiful woman I have ever met. Babe, I love you so much. You are such a gift to our family. Did, did y'all hear what she said? Did, did y'all hear? It's not on. I, I want to make sure it gets recorded, <laughs> right? All right, I think we're good. Let's try it again. <laughs> I love you so much. You are such a gift to our family. I love you so much, babe. Yeah, I, I want to tell you that this house is spotless. I mean, you do an amazing <laughs> job keeping this place clean. And you work so hard for us. Thank you for, man, all you do for our family. And somewhere along the way, right, what we're about to show you begins to introduce itself in the marriage relationship. I wish somebody, somebody would have told me that you were significantly challenged in the area of cooking. Well, um, I didn't marry you for you to spend all of your money on all of your hobbies and not spend it on us. Getting real. <laughs> I wish that I would have known 14 years ago 
that I was going to marry your mother. Well, uh, nobody told me that you were going to spend all of your time and effort into your job and not put any time and effort into your family. At some point along the way, we begin to lose sight of the reality that this is mud that has been placed on each other. We begin to think that this is really who that other person is. And I don't know about you, but even though I love to get out in the woods and get down and dirty, like at some point, dirtiness becomes repulsive. And not always do our words communicate the division and the pain in relationships. Sometimes it's the absence of words that do just as much damage. Babe, man, what a week. You guys, you guys just deserve someone who can provide better for you. The family needs somebody who's a better dad and a better husband for me. Man, all those other women, they are so beautiful and way more attractive than I am. But I, I believe, church, that what God has intended for us, as he reminds us in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 25 and 26, is that the, to model and demonstrate the love of Christ within the relationship of marriage means to lovingly, Come to one another and just speak the truth of God's promises over us. Babe, I know that the days are long and you are in high demand. But I just want to say thank you for always making sure that we as a family have something to eat and are fed. You spend so much time on budgeting for our family and securing our family's future. Thank you very much. Babe, I know I've said some stuff about your mom in the past, but I, I, I want to acknowledge, <laughs> I want to acknowledge, I do love my mother-in-law, and um, you have obviously been molded and influenced in your life by hers, and I just wanna say thank you for doing the same thing with our kids. And I know balancing work and family can be hard, but thank you very much for what you do to make us feel important every day. <laughs> this is why um, you get to use all the shampoo at our house. <laughs> And I do. Babe, I, I mean this. Um, I've never seen more grace and beauty poured out by someone in my life by the grace and the mercy that you have shown me in ours together. I love you. Thank you for what you do for us every day. Shannon Oaks Church. Can't... <laughs> Can we first get a babysitter? <laughs>
I cannot help but believe that this is what God is asking our marriages to look like and to pour out promise and truth in a way that it washes us and we don't find ourselves uh, being repulsed and repelled by the dirt that is inevitably going to be on our spouse. Would y'all give it up for my beautiful bride? This morning, I need us to just remember the powerful truth that we see in Proverbs chapter 18, verses 20 and 21. It says this, from the fruit of a man's mouth, his stomach is satisfied. He is satisfied by the yield of his lips. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. I know words seem so harmless, but I wanna remind you they have never been more powerful. And one of God's greatest gifts and weapons in the relationship of marriage are the words that we speak to and about our spouse. And so I wanna charge you this morning because really the choice is ours, right? Whose hands that weapon will be in in our marriage relationship. I wanna charge you as husbands, as wives, as future husbands and future wives, or maybe as you pour into husband and wife relationships through your life, that you give the charge and the expectation and the constant reminder of the example that Christ has led and lived for us to honor one another. In other words, to speak what God speaks over us. There's a beautiful reality that transpires when that's the case. And if we're not careful, we willingly and openly arm the one who seeks to devour us. The choice is ours. When we align our life with God's plans and purposes, we thrive. And that's exactly what we've been made to experience. Listen, it doesn't mean that you're always gonna have the best of the best or the road's always gonna be easy, but with the blessing of God in your marriage, you will always have what it takes to see it through. And there will always be enough grace to come back around and try it again. So I don't know where you are in your marriage this morning. I, can, I confess, I don't get it right. I want to get it right because I know the, the beauty and the delicious flavor of the fruit that comes from that. And I know that as I do, God is looking down on his son and saying, I knew you would get it right. I'm so proud of you. That's how I love you. And so I wanna offer to you this morning as we bring this message and service to a close, could it be that you are unable to reciprocate that kind of love in your marriage relationship because you have not first received that from your Lord and Savior, Jesus? 
Could it be that, that you haven't um, been able to reflect the love that he has for you because you haven't really understood that that's how he loves you? He wants you to understand that and to represent that. And there is grace upon grace and mercy abundant for you today. What a beautiful thing for marriages right here within Shannon Oaks Church to just begin to, to take one step forward and shift the trajectory of where the future will, will go because of a commitment to love and honor and respect your spouse with truth that comes from God. Listen, we have never been more for your marriage than we are right now. So if there's anything that we can do in this journey to help move you from where you are or give you the tools to, to uh, take offense against the, the enemy in your relationship, listen, the answer is yes, because your marriage matters. Maybe you're here today and it's something altogether different is on your heart this morning. Maybe you've come with a need that needs prayer, that needs healing, that needs just love poured out, a transformational love that's going to support and uplift and encourage in the days ahead. Whatever your need is this morning, I, just, I encourage you to not leave this place until God gives you the peace to move beyond where you are.